I V M. You are listening to the Signal Daily, brought to you by Front Page Studios. Most countries have adapted to living with coronavirus and have relaxed pandemic-era regulations. Even those that had the strictest of restrictions have eased them. Not China, though. Under President Xi Jinping, China is steadfast in its efforts to stamp out the last of the virus, and citizens are stuck in a never-ending cycle of lockdowns. At one point in September, over 300 million citizens in dozens of Chinese cities were facing full or partial lockdowns. Shanghai Disneyland is the latest to shut its doors, trapping patrons inside. People have reportedly been informed that they won't be permitted to leave the amusement park until they present a negative test result, according to the BBC. If it is any consolation, rides are still running inside the happiest place on earth. Not sure if it's as comforting as it sounds. Shanghai Disney is not the only place where patrons are stuck. Authorities in Macau quarantined the MGM Kotai, which is one of the popular hotels for the gambling enthusiasts, according to Deadline. China's zero-COVID policy has repeatedly restrained millions of people, not only making it unpopular but also a frequent disruptor of economic activity. In one instance reported by CNBC, after spending several days locked inside Foxconn's iPhone factory, 200,000 workers scaled tall fences to flee the massive complex. Foxconn's manufacturing facility in Zhengzhou, the capital of the Henan province in central China, had been dealing with the COVID-19 outbreak since mid-October. To prevent the coronavirus from spreading to the outside world, employees were locked inside. The cause for the rapid rise in COVID-19 cases is still unknown, but authorities are working round the clock to stop the transmission of the BF7 strain. It was discovered in China for the first time in Hohot, the capital of Inner Mongolia, in late September. Despite strict restrictions on travel during China's Golden Week holiday in early October, COVID cases are on the rise in popular domestic tourist destinations. All the inconveniences and hardships that citizens are enduring have not deterred China from easing its rigid zero-COVID policy even a little. For the next few minutes, you are going to know a little more than you did yesterday from the world of technology, business. Policy and anything that leaves you with a food for thought. Hello, I'm Farheen Khan, and here's the deep dive for November second, twenty twenty-two. India is taking another step towards digitizing finance with the digital rupee. Yes, the Reserve Bank of India has rolled out the country's first central bank digital currency, or CBDC, with a pilot project for the wholesale segment from first November. This will give restricted access to only financial institutions. The RBI plans to launch a pilot for the retail segment as well within a month that will potentially be available to consumers and businesses. Nine banks, the State Bank of India, Bank of Baroda, Union Bank of India, HDFC and ICICI banks, Kodak Mahindra Bank, Yes Bank, IDFC First Bank and HSBC are participating in the wholesale pilot. Obviously, the entry of cryptocurrencies in the mainstream is a reason for the sudden interest in digital currencies. And by that I mean, right now around a hundred countries are toying with the idea of CBDCs. Some, like the Bahamas and Nigeria, already have CBDCs, while others, such as Sweden and China, are still experimenting with pilot projects. The RBI will be the 18th central bank in the world to have started a CBDC pilot. 
But what will a digital rupee do? Will it replace physical cash? Before we get into all that, an important clarification should be made. Digital rupee is not a cryptocurrency. Cryptos are decentralized assets and CBDC is quite the opposite. It's issued by the RBI and will be legal tender in a digital form. A digital rupee will in no way be different in value or transactional ability from a rupee banknote except that it will be in digital form. But you might still wonder if we already have UPI and e-wallets, do we really need the digital rupee? Well, the difference there is that in UPI transactions, intermediaries are needed. But with CBDCs, it's an instant settlement since a CBDC would be a liability of the reserve bank, not a commercial bank. Just like you exchange cash. So now, coming back to the question on what the digital rupee is looking to address, the RBI has described the CBDC to be something that will provide a safe and convenient alternative to physical money. But some of the incentives behind this idea is that it will be cost-effective. It can ensure faster settlements of funds. It may also be able to curb black money. But that would depend on how deep India is into cashless framework. Because the RBI had clarified that the digital rupee is not going to replace actual banknotes. Rather, it's going to complement current forms of money. Yet, obviously, the digital rupee is definitely aiming towards a cashless framework. Now, having said all that, Anything that is digital comes with cybersecurity risks. The IMF has especially warned the Bahamas and Nigeria, for instance, to strengthen the security of their digital currencies. There are also possibilities of technical glitches. For example, Nigeria's eNaira wallet app was pulled down from Google Store 48 hours after its release. East Caribbean's e-currency Dcash had also gone offline for two weeks. The pilot program launched yesterday will essentially help the RBI assess the risks and the advantages. The Signal Daily is produced in association with IBM. The episode was written, researched and produced by Shorbori and Manaswini, edited by Dinesh Narayan, mastered and mixed by Ajay Rajput. You can catch this podcast every morning on Spotify, Apple, Amazon Prime Music, Google Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We are thesignal.co on Instagram, LinkedIn and Twitter.